Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we go again. Welcome to episode 282 of Life in the Stocks. My name's Matt Stocks. This is my podcast and my guest this week is Tracy Guns from LA Guns. He was also an original founding member of a little-known band called Guns and Roses. And the story goes, as I'm sure you'll know if you're familiar with your rock and roll history, if you're not, to simplify it and give you the shorthand version, there was two bands on the LA scene around the hair metal time. LA Guns, which was Tracy's band, and Hollywood Rose, which was Axl Rose's band. And those two bands merged to form a little-known band called Guns N' Roses. And then Tracy ended up leaving Guns N' Roses and going back to LA Guns. And then Guns N' Roses got in Slash and Steven Adler and Duff McKagan. And the rest is history. Um, I got to meet Tracy on the Kiss Cruise at the end of last year. And I've spoken about this a bit on the show, but I'll recount the story again very quickly here. I was hired by Kiss to come on board the Kiss Cruise and host a live Q&A with the band, also a live Q&A with their manager, Doc McGee. Both of those Q&As went out a while back on this show as podcasts, so do go back and check them out if you haven't already. Also, Gene and Paul have both been previous guests on the show. Um, And I did a Halloween DJ set on the boat as well over Halloween weekend, and it was without a doubt one of the most amazing and incredible experiences of my life for so many reasons. And I was on there on my own, so I was kind of just knocking about and you know meeting new people. And, and one of the people I got to meet and spend a little bit of time with was Tracy Guns. And I would see him at every show on the boat. He was just there. Like he played with LA Guns. They did an electric set, an acoustic set. I wrote up the uh, acoustic set for an article I did for Metal Hammer. Uh, and it was just one of the highlights of of the whole experience was watching them. It was a beautiful sunny day. We were on the pool deck and they were just telling stories from back in the day, playing acoustic versions of all their popular songs. And I was a little bit familiar with LA Guns before this experience, before the Kiss Cruise, but I hadn't really gone in on their discography and I wasn't overtly, you know, familiar with their history. And I just, I gained a whole new level of appreciation for the band after seeing them on the cruise and since then i've delved into their back catalog jump you know feet first into what is an incredibly prolific back catalog uh they've also got a new album coming out next friday april the 14th called black diamonds which i've had the pleasure of hearing and it's amazing and they're just one of the most consistently brilliant rock and roll bands around and i kind of kick myself for not listening to them for longer but i guess you know the good thing when you discover any band later in life is you get to catch up with everything you've missed and make up for lost time so consider me a a hardcore converted la guns fan and yeah meeting tracy on the boat was great he just came across like such a a down-to-earth cool dude Uh, i would see him at all the other sets 
across the week. He went to see all the other bands just as a fan, even the Q&As, he'd be at them. You know, he gave off this really cool energy. And then we've been, you know, chatting a little bit on Instagram since the cruise. Uh, and so, yeah, it was really nice just to, to link up via the wonderful medium of Zoom and have a proper deep dive chat with Tracy, which is, you know, the conversation that you're about to hear. And it got deep, man. And we just spoke about life in a really kind of cool and profound way uh, as I get to do on this show. And I always have to count myself lucky uh, that I get to have these conversations with these, you know, creative and, and interesting and fantastic people. And yeah, we spoke just about life and relationships and philosophy. And we got into all the kind of early LA gun stories as well. And, you know, the Axl Rose and Slash stories. Because funnily enough, Tracy actually went to school with Slash and also with Anthony and Flea from the Chili Peppers at Fairfax High School, which in a weird twist of events was actually where I was staying in the week after the Kiss Cruise when I was out in LA. So everything kind of came full circle in that regard. And yeah, I just, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I think Tracy is a wonderful guy and I really enjoyed talking to him for the podcast. And I know you're going to enjoy this conversation as well. So without further ado, let's proceed and jump right into episode 282 of Life in the Stocks with Tracy Guns from LA Guns. And be sure to check out their new album, Black Diamonds, which is out next Friday, April the 14th. It's a great album. And uh, yeah, I do hope to see that band over here in the UK at some point soon. If anybody who's involved with downloads uh, or any of these, you know, numerous rock and roll festivals that take place throughout the summer here in the UK now, do yourself a favor and book LA Guns because they are a brilliant live rock and roll band. They bring the party and uh, yeah, watching them on the Kiss Cruise was a real highlight of last year. So here it is. This is me and Tracy Guns having a chat over Zoom a couple of weeks ago. Enjoy the show. Tracy, what's going on, dude? <laughs> How you doing, Matt? I'm very well. Uh, they did say in the email it was going to be audio only. I don't know if you want to put your camera on so I can see your pretty face. Um, uh, let's see. It won't be going anywhere. It will just be an audio podcast anyway. So okay, there we go. If you're not stage ready. How are you, dude? Great to see you. <laughs> Great to see you. I've got COVID, man. First time? Third time. Fuck. I only just yeah. got it. I only just got it right before um the kiss cruise like about a month maybe five five six weeks before it i kind of kept it quiet because i didn't want to ruin my chances of yeah. getting on yeah 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 you know, yeah yeah. yeah I, I was good i was good to go so but that was my first time fuck three times does it get easier yeah. to get better it does get easier it gets easier but <clears throat> this time <clears throat> i just been sleeping like 12 hours a day it's crazy you know like no other symptoms just totally see i got it on uh the 80s cruise of course <laughs> i mean i'm Fucking amazed cruises. i'm amazed that there aren't more covid cases after these cruises but let's 
let's begin there, my friend, because <laughs> okay, I'm bummed that we didn't get more time to hang out and chat on the Kiss Cruise. And I, I kind of said this in the article that I wrote for Metal Hammer. I think the editor took it out in the end, though. Um, but but I said in that that every band I went to go and see, or every event, even whether it was a Q and A with with Paul, whatever it was, you were there, and it was so awesome and like inspiring to just see that somebody who's been in the game for as long as you have is still at your core. And I really saw this when you were asking Paul about Jimmy Page and Led Zeppelin and right. the influence there. Just what a fan you are and what a lover of music and, and, and the culture that surrounds it, you still are. And I have it on very good authority because I'm good friends with, this, <laughs> with the sixth man people that you stayed on for the second week despite the fact that <laughs> LA Guns weren't booked. You were like, is it possible to just get a room for me and my guitar tech? You know, I'll get up right. and do a couple of the, you know, the, the songs with the, the superstar jam band thing. But yeah, I just want to go and do it all again. And they were like, Yeah, of course you're on. And I just love that, dude. It warmed my heart. It was so fun. That was such a good time. And a lot of it had to do with there were a lot of people on that cruise that I hadn't seen, you know, since for four or five years at least. A lot of people. So it just kind of felt like like, you know a high school reunion or something in a, in some very strange way but yeah that th- those cruises were amazing so yeah. much fun yeah they were special man like i tend i've done about 5 or 6 of the different cruises that sixth man offer now and i tend to do more of the kind of punk stuff so for yeah. me i was a little bit i didn't really know many people on the kiss cruise so i was kind of just floating around see on my own but what it gave me because you know all my kind of friends and you know associates are all more in the punk world than the kind of you know the the classic rock but what i loved about you when you had you know the um the sailor hat going on on the stage (laughs) i was like turban egra man this guy gets it and that was it (laughs) i was happy tom i've listened to a bunch of interviews um that you've been on in the lead up to this chat just to try and get a sense of the man and you know hear a little bit about you know your life and and your likes and what just jumped off the speaker or the page, depending on what the format of the interview was, is just, again, going back to what I said earlier, how much you fucking love music. It's infectious. It's true. It's true, though. I mean, there's, and, and I'm, I'm pretty specific, <laughs> too. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I really like super sad or sarcastic music, you know, or dark music. It's just, I've always been that way since I was a really little kid, you know, uh, the happy stuff just doesn't do it for me. <laughs> you know, it's just like, yeah, that's a cute song, you know, but I either like to be, you know, hit over the head by something so extreme that it gets my blood flowing <clears throat> or I like it to be suicidal. You know, there's not much in between. I feel that. Well, were you a pretty deep and introspective kid? Like as far back as you can remember, were you one of those guys yeah. that was always in your own head, lost in thoughts, not always good ones, but kind of just a sensitive yeah. child, for lack of a better yeah, word. Yeah, I, I still am, and, I, and I've had a lot of therapy for that little child. I, well, I, I, I feel you on that sense as well, man. And, and for me, getting to do this, getting to talk to people like yourself, that's my, like the connection that you have for music, I have for people's stories and for the human right. condition through formats like this. And so was your, was, your, was your childhood a happy one? What was the kind of cause, do you think, for, for that introspective, sad-leaning tendencies from a young age? Well, I think 
<clears throat> you know, I spent a lot of time by myself when I was a kid. You know, you know, my parents were really young. Um, they were 18 when they had me and they got divorced when, when I was like two. And then my mom was just, you know, working her ass off, going to college. And my dad was doing something else, you know what I mean? Kind of a thing. So, um, I just had to fill up that space and time really was with music. Right. You know I mean? That was, my mom had a, a, a sizable record collection and when I was alone, I would just listen to music and stare at album covers and, you know, the stuff that was always attractive was like, <laughs> you know, Black Sabbath album covers and Led Zeppelin album covers and things like that. They're just like, so fucking depressing. You know, mm -hmm. it's just like, okay. You know, and I didn't know that that's what it was. You know, I just thought that like, ooh, this is scary and creepy and it makes me uncomfortable. So I'm just going to keep listening to this over and over again. Um, and I still kind of do the same thing. You know, there's a, and I don't really like, much new music but there's a band called java skull um from copenhagen and they're kind of like ah they're very depressing garage rock band it's just a drummer and a guitar player my friend marco and they got this song called just kill me i'd listen to on repeat like a thousand times you know sometimes it's just so good you know, and it just scratches all those right kind of, you know, feelings, you know, it's just like, like a just complete, utter despair. And by listening to music like that, it just really, it's almost comical for me, you know, in a way where it's just like, God damn, this guy felt like this at some point in his life. Like how horrible. You know, and and had the balls to put it into art and share it. That's you know? that that's the thing. You know, I think if I was ever that sad or ever, you know, that depressed, I don't think I could write it down. I I, I wouldn't want and anybody certainly to not know. share it with the world, right? Like here's how right. I'm yeah. feeling. <laughs> yeah. No, no thanks. A pretty magical time you grew up in though. Um, you know, and you're it a Hollywood you're a Hollywood kid, right? That was kind yeah. of the, yeah. Uh, where's the Danish connection? Is that with your parents or with a partner or how, how no that's with my, with my my ex-wife um she's danish and i mean i'm i have some danish in me but um but no it's just because and then we have a son and so he's half danish he's a dual citizen citizen and and i love denmark you know it's just an incredible you know really a spot on earth that is just mellow and clean and good food and you know uh mild tempered people and things like that but um yeah that's that's like my my safe haven do you still live like, out there part of the year yeah 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 and, and it and i haven't been there in a couple months so i'm just waiting for a tour schedule and then then i have to get back there as soon as i can i'm Although, gonna be I got a three-year-old Oh wow! Well, so that's yeah. like a COVID baby, then, right? It is a COVID baby. <laughs> well, he was born. A Not month to reduce him to that, but that's the time frame we're <laughs> <Yeah>. talking. <laughs> so he was born a month before the lockdown, so pre-COVID baby. We were doing it, you know, going. Hey, this is a good time to get pregnant. Okay, let's. Okay, you're, now you're pregnant. Okay, that baby's gonna be what born one month before the whole world locks down. 
And it was kind of cool in a way because I didn't have to leave Denmark. Normally, I can only stay 90 days in a row. Um, and I was there for five months um, because of the pandemic. You know, I couldn't leave. I mean, I could have it, but it would have been an insane task. Um, so they just let me stay, you know, and, and I got to be with, with my boy for five months. His first five months was great. Yeah, that's special, man. So have you got three kids? Am I right in thinking that? Two, two. Two. I got I got two boys. Yeah, and I got a 14-year-old here in the States. Wow. So a teenager and a, and a toddler. That's yeah. A, that's a pretty <laughs> um, a wide range. My, me and my sister are seven years apart. And um, yeah, I think like they're, they're kind of the two most full-on periods in a, in a child's life, right? Is those first few formative years and then those explosive adolescent years and you've got the full end of the spectrum from both (laughs) oh yeah 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 and and i kind of live like in this world where i go between these two guys you know what i mean where you know i float over to denmark for a month i'm here for a month that's generally how it works and it's a lot (laughs) it's it's a lot to to do and, and and to take in and to you know, be present. And I'm very present with both of them, you know, um, without even having to try, you know I mean? That's, that's the good thing. They're just very receptive and they're funny. Thank God they're funny or else I could be in trouble. Um, they're funny. Their moms are cool. Uh, you know, I love women. You know, that's, that's my problem. I hear that. And, you know, obviously you came of age when there was a certain representation of women. And and what I did find really interesting is listening to you talk about that time. Uh, And I gauge this just from meeting you in the brief moments that we shared on the boat is I could see there was always like, you know, females around you. But it wasn't like that kind of sleazy rock and roll thing where it's like groupies. And, you know, it just seemed like you're a sensitive, artistic dude. That's, you know, I mean, I was kind of brought up by my mum and and my sister lived with us and it was just the three Mm. of us in the house. So and some of my best friends are women. So I share that kind of appreciation of yeah. just female company, man. It's amazing. Um, it's a, it, it is amazing, you know, and especially, you know, I seem to really get on well with really pretty blonde women. I mean, it's that, just it's that Danish. It must got to be the Danish connection, it is, right? It, it is. My, <laughs> my, my other ex is actually Finnish. Um, Jagger, my older son's mom. Um, yeah, the Viking thing, you know, it, it, it works for me. Um, now I'm with an Australian woman that looks like a Viking, <laughs> you know. You're with Orianthi, uh, right? Am I right in thinking that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she, yeah, she's badass, she, man. She's awesome. I've, I've never met a more complete human being in my life. Just my God. And she's beautiful on top of it all. I mean, it's just. So you have know, you known each other a long time? Is that a friendship no. that evolved into a romantic connection? Or is it just a whirlwind, like, immediate, you know, sparks are flying, this is love kind well, of thing? Well, she, you know, she, we both kind of went through the same thing in the beginning of last year, so we were single. And um, at some point, my agent just texted me and said, hey, would you be interested in touring with Orianti? I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> of course. You know, of course you know i'll i'll be the janitor you know whatever the fuck right <laughs> so sell t-shirts uh, let's go <laughs> yeah, yeah let's go let's yeah let's go now um so 
I said yes, and then she started following me on Instagram. And Instagram is is just this magical place for me. Anyways, um, and so I I noticed that she followed me and she liked some of my stuff. And so I just wrote her immediately. <laughs> I wrote I was like, "Hey, rocker!" Like that was that that was my icebreaker. <laughs> like, hey, rocker! And um, she was really nice. You know, I mean, it's the only way I can put it. Um, but she had got COVID like a week after we started talking, and and she just was so sick, and she still has long COVID now. It's really not a good thing. She's doing better now. But um so we didn't actually see each other. That was around Thanksgiving. We didn't actually see each other till the beginning of January. And I was in Denmark all of December before that. And it just seemed like we were just gonna be friends, you know, just like, hey yeah, you know, what's up? Oh, look at this guitar, you know, like stupid shit like that. We just didn't know what to say to each other. You know, it was just kind of like we were both really weird and shy. That's cute. And yeah, yeah, it's a pretty innocent relationship, really. And then uh, I went and saw her jam at a friend of ours' birthday party. And, you know, I hugged her for like, you know, two minutes, had seven sentences, and off she was. And then after that, that was it. Like, you know, the next time we got together, we've been together ever since. And, you know, she's amazing. <laughs> that's all i can say she's fucking amazing i think sometimes in life you know obviously you've both toured the world you've been in huge bands you've led a crazy and i'm sure exciting but also you know perhaps painful at times creative existence oh and fuck yeah i think you can go through the ringer uh and then find yourself in a place in life where you're vulnerable enough and caring enough to spot you know a, a like-minded spirit and that's cool well, that, as fuck when that happens. Yeah, very unexpected, you know. Um, especially, you know, you put it really well, you know, very like-minded, you know. Um, everything in common, right? You know, I mean, that's, you know, come not, on. Not just the music, yeah. Life. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's crazy. Um, you know, so yeah, I mean, that, all roads led to each other, right? You know, kind of been down the same path and, and it's the same path. You know, and then here we are now. Um, yeah, just out of nowhere. And, you know, we both feel like we kind of failed upward. You know what I mean? Kind of like, well, we tried this before, you know, um, not successfully. I mean, not that, you know, we're probably both great in, in any relationship because we are very vulnerable people. I mean, to be to be an expressive musician, you have to be vulnerable. You know, you really, really do. And especially her, she sings, you know what I mean? And her her lyrics are no joke. You know, I mean, they're like all about heartache and heartbreak and, you know, and, and you know, betrayal and shit like that. So she hangs it out there, you know. And one of the kind of things that, like, you know, people don't talk on the phone anymore, right? So the one thing that freaked me out is, you know, on the, the day where we finally were, you know, like, this is happening for real. She goes, I'm going to call you. And I go, no, don't call me. I'm, you know, I don't know what to say. And we talked for three hours. Our, and, and we and we do every night. When we're not together, you know, we talk on the phone at night before bed. And it's always two to four hours, which is something I haven't done in over 20 years with anybody. Mm. You know, so I think that that real voice connection, not, you know, 
not text relationship. You know, my 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 wife, even though you know we live together, I swear to God, we texted each other in the house. <laughs> you know, it was just that was I never called her ever. You know, five years. You know, I mean, maybe a couple times. You know, oh, I need oranges or you know something like that. But but yeah, I think that had a lot to do with why we got really close really fast is because we talk. You know, we talk. You know with our real voices and it's not just a series of emojis and and nonsense you know, what you, essentially you, yeah yeah it's, it's not a bunch <laughs> of distortion you know so so do, do you play together often do you communicate in that way often or is do. that almost like you're still a bit intimidated by that side of life um no you know we get up in the morning and, and you know whoever's not cooking is playing guitar amazing you know? Proper. Yeah, it, it's 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 pretty wild, you know, um, especially at her place, you know, just because she loves to cook, you know, so I'll smell the food, I'll get out of bed and then run out on the couch and, you know, she's got like 100 guitars too. So you know, sit there, we talk shit and I play guitar and then she sits down and I eat and she plays guitar and then we play guitar together and then, you know, oh, I got this idea for a song. Wow, that's great. You know, kind of back and forth and... Yeah, I've never been in any kind of relationship. <laughs> this is fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's dude. Great. I mean, what what an amazing place to be at at this stage in your life as well. And like, you know, not to yeah. kind of shoehorn in the crass segue, but watching LA Guns on the boat on the Kiss Cruise, it was so evident to me because I'd never seen you guys before. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I was familiar with the first few records. Like, those were staples mm -hmm. for me getting into rock and roll. And, you know, I wasn't aware of how prolific you guys have been and just constant, you know, writing constant. and... and yeah. releasing and but what i noticed what really struck me and this is kind of where i'm going with this is watching you guys perform it was like a real band you know it wasn't just a group of guys that were going through the motions for the money you could see no. the chemistry was so alive and electric and you know i caught the electric set and the acoustic set and the acoustic i almost enjoyed even more because you were yeah. all so at ease and, and, and like comfortable with each other's company and the storytelling was flowing mm -hmm. and i was just like what a beautiful place to be at what are you like mid 50s yeah in your, in your life yeah, 57 now? yeah to yeah, be 57 of that you know that much of a vintage age and have this <laughs> almost teenage romance going on and then this badass like band still enjoying mm -hmm. being with each other playing with each other you know new record coming up sounds fucking amazing the last one was amazing as well like it's again inspiring to see someone like that that is still you know yeah. in it for all the right reasons and loving it and getting such rewards from from life and art and it's yeah. it, it gives me hope i mean you know we might be naive you know what i mean in, in a lot of ways to where you know i think phil and i didn't play together for 12 years um and i think when we got back together the gratitude is there you know what i mean and then we built the band around us and the guys are just <clears throat> it really is like a family you know i, I mean and it's such a cliche but we really are and, i mean you saw it live so you know you can see that and you know the creative process that's all i have you know i mean it's that's what i do you know and it's still you know we were talking about that inner child you know the little boys you know um it'll always be that you know and it's just that now i get to you know engineer and and produce the album so it's even that much more fun so there's no excuse to make a shitty record or a shitty song or anything like that you know i'm i'm 100% in control of everything which you know like 
any good band leader, it took a long time to get that control. You know, I was always dealing with managers and producers with their opinions and then, you know, lazy bandmates and, you know, things like that, where it just makes it so hard to, to, to put out great top level stuff when everybody's on a different page all the time. And, you know, since we got back together in 2016, I think it was, um, you know, Phil's just like, tell me what to do. I'm like, okay. And that's it. And that's how it works. And, and, and everybody's opinion is valid and, and, you know, nobody gets shut down, you know, for their ideas or, or their whatever it is. And so it just flows, you know, and that's, that's, that's the gift. The gift is the flow, you know, it's, it's, you know, very low stress rock and roll band, you know, and, you know, I try to maintain my life like that and, you know, but drama follows me everywhere. It's just, just. You know, I'm the guy that says yes a thousand times, and then the first time I say no, people are shocked. You're an asshole. How could you say no to me after saying yes a thousand times? So it's like, well, let's you know, let's do the law of averages. I said yes a thousand times. I said no once. You're an asshole. You know, fuck you. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I deal with shit like that all the time. You know, yeah. but you know, I'm I'm very open, vulnerable, and generous. You know, and then. But I know when I'm being taken advantage of and when it gets to that point, you know, I'm very delicate, you know, and say, hey, you're a piece of shit. Stop taking advantage of me. I mean, have you been burnt several times over by the industry because you've been in it so long? And I think for me, um, success is just longevity and creative freedom and autonomy. Yeah. And you've achieved yeah. that. But did you have to go through the ringer to get there? I think it was more of a mental ringer. Um, right. I mean, I've had band members that have ripped me offline and never paid. Um, and that goes for Phil too. You know, we've been ripped off by band members more than anything. Um, and it's just, you know, kind of goes against the pirates code, you know? So when you're dealing with, you know, pirate mentality where your own pirates obviously disrespect you to the point of like, like, yeah, I'm in your band and I'm taking your money, a lot of money. You know, it's like, it's like, whoa, you know, a couple grand, okay. You know, over a hundred grand, not okay. You know, and uh, so it's shit like that where it's like, I don't even give a shit about the money. I never had, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really care about money. It's the, the fact that, you know, you trust somebody mm -hmm. for years you know, and then it's the mind fuck of that. It's the, you know, the betrayal. And, and you know, those kind of people that do that later on, you know, they get caught and all this shit. And then they come out and, oh, but I love you, man. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? You know, yeah, some some people are just not right. You know, and, and, and it's nuts because those are the same people that make you feel like you're not right. Gaslight the fuck out of you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, man. I'm on the phone. I don't want to get into this, too. But I'm on the phone with this guy. This is years ago, like 2000. I'm like, hey, you know, um, I just heard from the label, and they wanted to know where to send my royalties. And then I found out that they've been sending you my royalties. You know, uh, we need to talk about this. No. <laughs> like, that is a whole conversation. 
you know, like, wow. <laughs> you know, fuck me, man. And he did. Yeah, I mean, music for me, and again, we are naive, I think, in that sense. But like, if it, <laughs> it if it isn't pure, then why do you do it? Like, if you want to go and be a fucking you know a hijacker or a robber then go work in investment banking or something like that you know like go work in wall street don't bring that into this world where it should be about you know the creativity and the craft and the chemistry and the good stuff but yeah you know i mean it's it's never uh, as as clear cut and simple as that is it if only no nothing is you know (laughs) um and i think that's always the goal through life and every aspect of everybody's life is you know, how do you have a practical life? You know, how do you have a life that's not full of surprises? You know what I mean? Um, and it's difficult for everybody on every level of any lifestyle at all. Um, cause it's all relative. Everybody's problems are relative to them, to them. Um, so for me, you know, I've had a really lucky life, you know, if you want to look at it that way, you know, but it, it hasn't come without a lot of, you know, a lot of balance, you know, a lot of arguing and a lot of stress and a lot of friction and, you know, uh, musicians, you know, I was so young when we got signed that, you know, I never grew up, you know, I definitely never grew I mean, I'm, I'm a responsible adult. I, I'm a great dad, but my mentality is still set in, you know, 1972. You know, um, and I and I really don't care. You know what I mean? It's just like, hey, man, you know, I made it this far. Um, you know, I have love in my life. I have music in my life. I have beautiful children in my life. You know, got a couple nice cars. <laughs> you know I mean, so from a material point of view, um, yeah, it looks great. You know, I mean, uh, there's nothing else I want. You know, that's for sure, you know. Um, so just kind of getting here was tough. And now that I'm here, it's not that easy, you know, just to maintain it. You know, but I do it. How old were you when you, you know, were bitten with the whole fame? I mean, were you somebody who was drawn to that as a concept? Were you somebody who was repelled or overwhelmed by it? Like, what's your nature and relationship uh, so what's the nature of your relationship with fame from you know the young, um, young man that you were to where you're at now was never into into it past a certain level um you know what got me into music in the first place i was five or six and i heard a whole lot of love and then me and my mom moved to france for a year and she showed me a picture of jimmy page on a cover of cream magazine and you know he had the dragon suit on that's all I cared about. You know, I was like, whoa, the guy that makes that sound looks like that, you know? So it was an easy formula for me. It was like, okay, I want to be that guy. I still want to be that guy, you know, to this day. I mean, it, it hasn't changed, you know, everything's remained about that imagery and that scary sound, you know I mean? That's, that's why I do it. Um, and it's just been, you know, that road of always trying to fulfill that. But fame, I didn't know that that equated to fame. I just knew that I wanted to be the scary guy with a violin bow, 
you know, making noise. And by the time I was in Guns N' Roses, which was like an extension of LA Guns at the time. So, you know, we had been playing for like a year and then we just changed the name to Guns N' Roses and added Izzy to the band. And then we got really popular, like really fast um, in town. And it made me nervous, you know, you know, showing up the Troubadour and there's a line around the block and the room's already full. You know, it just terrified me, you know, like, oh my God, you know, this is crazy. Like I never, I never wanted that or expected that. I wanted to be the rock star without actually having to play in front of 10,000 people. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was, um, and I've always kind of been that way. You know, I, I like a little bit of fame, you know, I like, you know, if one guy in the market comes up and says, Hey, you know, you're a fucking rad guitar player, dude. Like, that's cool. Like I'm way into that, you know, but when you're in the store and a whole family comes around you and then it draws attention and stuff like that, that's, it's really embarrassing. It's really cringeworthy for me. Like I, I don't feel comfortable like that. Um, and then obviously, you know, now the bigger the show, the better, because then you're more detached really. Mm, yeah i've always thought that when i'm djing and opening up the bands is like if you play in some massive arena there's no yeah. nerves because everything's yeah. just kind of it's nondescript shapes isn't it it's when it you're is. playing in front of like 50 people and they're right there you're like fuck me this is intense because you can just yeah. see the look in their eye and if they're loving it great but if they ain't they're right there there's but, no if, but, if, but, if, but yeah right but if they ain't see that's always the thing <laughs> and i had a, a really great experience um in denmark i live in a city called Aarhus. And uh, there's a little club that I hang out at. And I finally played there after the pandemic, you know. Um, this was, I have a little Danish band over there. And I told the guys, you know, even that day of the show, I'm like, don't expect anything. You know what I mean? Like, just just don't expect anything. We're going. This is our first gig. You know, let's just get through the songs. You know, that's all I cared about. Let's just see if we can get all the way through the song. And we were in a great mood and as soon as we opened the backstage door to go on stage it was packed you know with like sort of you know young middle-aged men you know danish men and you know just like excited and as soon as we hit the stage i felt that energy and again it was it's place only holds 80 people you know so it was 80 people good to go you know so as soon as you know we walked out and i just looked at him i'd go never mind what i said earlier let's go <laughs> you know fucking and it was amazing, you know, so you're right. I mean, but that could have very easily been a very stoic Scandinavian gig, mm -hmm. you know, but it wasn't, you know, and I'm very aware of, you know, the mood of a room. Well, you can, yeah. re you can really, you know, manipulate and control it in those smaller shows as well. And the boat, I mean, on that pool deck playing there, what a great, energy and space to work with that is and you know having you just there with the little navy hat on super chill and phil just kind of like you know telling the stories and everybody was just like right there with you and it was such an intimate yeah, moment it, that that was one of the most fun things we've ever done um was was that acoustic-ish kind of storyteller thing uh we could have went on for a few more hours you know i they're, felt they're, that i was so glad yeah. i was there for it man it was it was a real turning point for me and my appreciation of your band I was, and that's kind of what i wrote in the article you know it was just awesome. like, these guys are legit um they've seen it i, I think you know, we are you know, they, they've lived it and, and they're still killing it and, and yeah it was just rad to see so i want to go back to something you mentioned a moment ago with like the immediate rise and notoriety of guns and roses 
is that part of the reason for you wanting to walk away from it? You were just like, this is too much. Or, or what was your driving incentive for, you know, kind of starting that band and then bailing on it and, and getting LA Guns back up and running again? Well, I I think, you know, really now that you mention it, yeah. You know, like, like not only was, were we insanely attracting people, but I think it was getting everybody's heads too like you know like our relationships within the band were changing very quickly and i was 19 when i left you know it was very overwhelming for me you know it's like i didn't have anything to prove you know what i mean like i wasn't um i just wanted to play guitar (laughs) i wanted wanted our band to be like a cross between you know Aerosmith and Motley Crue, you know what I mean? That that's that's what I wanted Guns N' Roses to be, and we were, and we were really good at it. And then people liked it, and I was like, ah, get me the fuck out of here, you know. Um, I'm kind of like that, you know. Um, if things get too good, you know, let's destroy it and start over. <laughs> <you know? laughs> like, A little element you know, of self sabotage, yeah. Yeah, you know, you know, you build mountains, right? You know, I can do it again. I can do it again. I can do it again. And for me, that's it. You know, I'm not like the guy that builds one mountain and is and is happy. You know, it's like I got I got good mental problems. <laughs> it's like, like, oh, that's great. Okay, let's burn that down. Let's let's do it again. And and am I right in thinking you were never really somebody that was you know into hard drugs in any way? So that was just no. wasn't your wasn't your scene either. And obviously that band became if it, they weren't already at that point, just notorious for that kind of behavior. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, when I left, it was definitely, you know, creeping in. Um, and, you know, the thing the thing that was interesting about it, the drug thing with those guys is, you know, Izzy took a very intelligent approach to heroin. You know, he um, was going out with some girl uh, before we played together. We were living together. He was going out with some girl that was doing heroin and he went to the library and took out a couple library books on heroin and he read all about it, you know. And still he didn't do it. He was just curious about it. And then he ended up living with a, a girl that was a drug dealer, you know, who was strung out on heroin. And, I mean, it never affected our relationship. You know, I couldn't tell. I mean, he's a mellow guy anyway, so it's like, oh, yeah. how mellow are you today? Oh, you're not heroin mellow. Okay, this is... <laughs> um, you know, Duff liked his alcohol you know first time i met him was nine in the morning at rehearsal he was drinking a big old foster's can i'll never forget that i was like wow and hard uh, style <laughs> yeah you know is the thing axel you know me and him did a little bit of blow but but I, I i don't think he ever really got that into drugs axel you know i don't think that was his his thing at all you know, he's dealing with enough emotionally. Um, but the other guys, I know Slash got into it, but, you know, we weren't in the band at the same time, so I you don't know. You went to school together, though, you two, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We grew up together. You That's know, nuts. So... so were you two ever close, or were you like almost more like, you know, friendly rivals or indeed just rivals? Because you're both these kind of guitar guys on the scene in the same school at exactly the same time at the forefront of this movement. Like, what was the nature of your personal and creative relationship? I mean, you know, we, we were friends since we were 11, um, walking to school every day, talking about, you know, Aerosmith and Led Zeppelin, sometimes Ted Nugent. But until Van Halen came 
came out. I mean, you know, we talked about the same shit over and over and over and over again every day. Um, yeah, we're friends, um, but very strange, you know, friends. Um, he he's always had a kind of strange. Uh, I don't know what the word is, kind of competitive thing with me. Ever since we were really little, he talks about it in his book. Um, where I was just kind of this happy-go-lucky kid who played guitar, um, and the guitar was my friend. You know, I mean, it really was. It was my best friend. Um, but he was a little bit more street when we were very young. You know, a little bit more. I I can't really describe what that is, but you know he had a chip on his shoulder, you know. Um, and even though we were friends, he could be very sarcastic, you know, to me. It's like, hey, you know, where does that shit come from? <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, he always liked my girlfriends and shit like that. You know, it's kind of weird shit. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> you know what the fuck? Um, but it was a healthy musical kind of conversation for those you know four or five years you know because we were all i think without each other we we wouldn't really have had as much motivation to to get good that fast right you know because you're not going to let your best friend you know learn the solo for fucking achilles last stand and, and you're not going to you know what i mean it was shit like that it's like whoa and he's also the one that turned me on to randy rhodes you know when, when we were in 10th grade he went and saw ozzy at the forum and i didn't even know ozzy wasn't in black sabbath I mean, that's how naive i was you know and he came to school first thing in the morning at fairfax and uh, he found me at electronic shop and he's like hey man i gotta tell you about this guy it's randy rhodes guy you know blah 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 he's gonna be your favorite guitarist and i was like, like yeah 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 because you know slash is usually sarcastic to me but he wasn't this morning that morning and i heard Randy play like you know a couple days later on the radio crazy train came and I knew instantly what it was and you know so I mean yeah we we, we had a, a healthy musical challenging guitar hero Hollywood thing it's a great relationship to me I mean as well and was it Anthony and Flea from the Chili's were at the same yeah 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 Anthony and Flea well. and Halal Slovak and Jamie Slovak, um, Hillel's were, you, were you pals with those dudes? Um, I was friends more with Flea than with Anthony. Me, me, and Anthony's dad had a problem. Um, since I was really young, which isn't that important. I mean, we were, he seems we like a wild friends. character, man. I read Lanigan's book, and there's a chapter in Mark Lanigan's book where he talks about ending up back at Anthony's dad's house, not knowing it's Anthony's dad. Yeah. And there's like these women there. It's this really dark scene. And he says he goes to the bathroom and there's all these pictures of Anthony as a kid everywhere. And that's when he clocks who it is. And he's just like, oh, I'm getting out of here. Yeah, he, he was yeah, like a so, wild, like, you know, drug fiend actor, Hellraiser type dude, wasn't he? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got the thing about being a little guy, uh, you know, and I'm a little guy. I'm only five foot nine. Um you don't want to fuck with little guys. You know what I mean? Because we got a lot to prove, you know, to people with big mouths and and things like that. And unfortunately, Blackie, that's his name, Anthony's dad, was at the, the wrong end of me. And I got him a couple times. 
And um, Anthony and I, to this day, have managed to stay really friendly, you know. And but when I was going to play with the Chili Peppers, when uh, when Frusciani went missing, and I went and 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 played with him a couple days, and Anthony just straight up came up to me, you know, after the first day, he goes, "Man, this is so good. It's too bad you hit my dad." I was like, God damn it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so that motherfucker cost me this gig too. You know, whatever. Um, but yeah, and, and Flea, he's just, what a spirit. What a He soul. seems like a beautiful, I've never met him, but he seems like a beautiful human being. Oh my God. And, and he was always like that. You know, you know, always like that. You know, I think I met him when I was 15, first time, and I just couldn't figure him out. He was so sweet. He was so musical. He was so punk rock, but so thoughtful, you know, at the same time. And, and yeah, just, you know, growing up around people like that doesn't hurt, you know, if this is what you're going to do and, you know, and, and talking about, you know, Slash and I and guys like that growing up in Hollywood at the same time, it's amazing looking back how you can see how much, you know, that group of people really changed a big gigantic portion of history and music it's just like wow when you're doing it you don't give a fuck you know you're just like hey man i'm you know i just made 50 bucks this is awesome you know kind of mentality or whatever or you know i just fucked the hottest chick at the rainbow you know you know like you know high fives you know i mean that's what it was really about you know back then um but then to look back and you know you just especially with social media you just see how many people you influenced and touched and how many people learned your shitty guitar licks and things like that it's just like wow you know okay this is cool and i and i i'm really addicted to that you know i love that that instant gratification of putting music out and then having you know guitar players playing your shit immediately on youtube you know it's like the first week of a, of a new release that's all i do i just search youtube for people playing our new shit it's great yeah i mean that for me right there what you touched on there is my favorite thing about music and there are these moments throughout history um where it's a collection of whether they're school friends or neighborhood friends uh -huh. they start out in the same loose kind of you know large click and then the next thing you know they're all at the forefront of this movement all in these yeah. epic world like renowned genre defining bands and yeah it, it's wild. i mean there there are examples of that in in uk history mm -hmm. of course but, but it's are. so much more evident i think for for me at least as an appreciator of music that it's you know it's hollywood it's la and it's new york and you look at like the cbgb scene and again these kind of moments where huh? and, and seattle obviously and you just yeah. think like man to have been a fly on the wall knowing what we all now know and, and right. just watching it because as you say when you're just a kid and you're in it you haven't got these lofty ambitions about changing the world did you say you want to fucking no 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 right kick ass tunes meet women have fun yeah but, especially at that age you know because when, when let's see by the time guns and roses was rolling which is when shit was really fun um i was 19 and i guess Axel and Izzy were probably 22, 23. And it was just all about fun. But then everybody took us seriously. 
and the fun kind of turned into something else it was like whoa okay i don't need to have that much fun (laughs) (laughs) yeah too much of a good thing yeah yeah you know (laughs) and that carried on for years man you know even you know when i left and and redid la guns just the amount of decadence is was just wow you know (laughs) it's like (laughs) to the point (laughs) where you get older and you just want to have sex missionary. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. It's a like, very, very underrated position. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, this is just fine. You know, I, I don't I don't need anything else, you know. Not, seen it, done it, doesn't make any difference. You know, kind of, kind of that kind of thing happens where, especially the first few years touring, we didn't have cell phones or anything like that. There's nothing nothing to do but do drugs and have sex you know and i didn't do drugs so you know you know i i would get depressed like you know a a night would go by there wouldn't be like a perfect 10 and i just i would be depressed so addicted to it you know so fucking addicted to that and then you know then i met my my older son's mom we were together for 27 years then i met her and everything was cool you know but before that wow and you have a good relationship with your son's mom still, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. And I'm working on the relationship with my ex-wife right now. It's, that's not going so good. Well, that's more fresh, right? Sometimes guess, it's hard. whatever. It's hard when it's more recent, I think, those kind of... I mean, it's funny, like, I uh, I try and remain in, you know, really good terms and, and friendships with, with all my exes, but there's one that just has never been interested in maintaining that. Um, and it's a bummer for me. Like I, I like to think if you spend, especially when you share a child with someone, that's the whole other thing. But you know, I'd like to think when you share a, a portion of your life together, as long as it doesn't end badly and one of you doesn't wrong the other in a you know really hardcore way, then remaining friends is what it's all about, or at least civil. Yeah, I think relationships with people in general. It's like I maintain friendships and acquaintances, you know, since I was you know really young. And there's only a few people that I that I don't or I won't interact with. And that's because they seriously fucked me. Yeah. You know, yeah. but but the women in my life, I'm still friends with, with all of them, you know, and there's only five, you know, throughout my whole life that were serious. Kind of, oh, you can't see me now. Um, and yeah, I mean, Paula, who's the girl before jagger's mom was that was like 30 years ago you know she still comes and watches the house when i tour sometimes you know takes care of the cats and things like that um you know we're really tight you know and and there's just really no reason for people to fall out like that especially when there is no betrayal at the end of a relationship um it just feels beautiful as well for me there's something really healing and magical about it just yesterday i bumped into a girl who I dated when I was 17, 20 years ago. Wow. We dated for about a year and a half. I hadn't seen her in years. And I was in a restaurant with my family for Mother's Day. Our UK Mother's Day was yesterday. Mm-hmm. And um, she calls over. She's like, hey, Matt. And I didn't recognize her at first. It had been so long. I was like, oh, my God. Went over. We had a big hug. And she's like, yeah, this is my daughter. She's working here. I've just come to say hello. And her daughter is now 18. 
like and she gave she gave birth to this girl a couple of years after we were together and i'd never wow. met seen her and i'm just like oh my god you've got like an adult kid and, and it was just lovely you know it was such a beautiful moment i had a big yeah. hug and was just and she's like i'm married now super happy everything's great had a, like a yeah. wicked catch up and i was just like man this is the stuff of life it is you know and that's where i think that people you know lose that when they can't when they when they make themselves not vulnerable anymore right so like let's just say um in the case of my with my ex which isn't this doesn't make any difference who it is but where it gets to the end of the road and it's apparent to everybody you know it's like okay you know it's over and but what ruined it was when it got to that point she just she shut down you know what i mean just completely um wouldn't communicate didn't want to fix issues or deal with issues that were coming up you know now i'm not you know she's going to move out i'm keeping the place in denmark she's getting a new place blah 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 blah. but if you don't talk about those things things get really fucked up you know because then you're you're guessing you know, like, well, okay, you know, how much is that bill? What's this bill? Uh, you know, hey, remember you left your bicycle at the old apartment, you gotta go, you know, shit like that, right? You know, and when you just shut down because and who knows, everybody's different, right? You know, so everybody communicates in a different way. <clears throat> but for me, it's like I'm always vulnerable. I'm always open, I'm always willing to talk, I'm always willing to try to fix something that's broken. Um but some people just get broken and they stay broken. Yeah. And they don't see the they they don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's just like, oh my God, here's where I ended up. That's it. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, it's like, you know, a year from now, life's gonna be a lot different than it is right now, no matter what happened. You know, because life is forever changing and morphing and and opportunities and and, and uh, but some people are black and white thinkers <clears throat> and the way they are and then there's people like you and i that are wondrous you know we wonder you know like like well you know what's around the corner well what did i just see behind me you know and you know they say being open like that exposes yourself to danger you know emotional danger and environmental danger and things like that but you know like you said that's the shit when it's good that's what life's all about you know, and, and to find those good spots and those great uh, memories. I, you know, I'm I'm a really nostalgic person. You know, when it comes to to anything. You know, when it comes to music, when it comes to cars, when it comes to furniture, um, <clears throat> when it comes to memories. You know, like really cool shit I've done, and really bad shit that's gone on. You know, I don't forget anything. Man, I imagine I would love to do this one day. Man, just take a walk around Hollywood with you. Oh, I, can, man. I can only imagine the amount of memories that come flooding back around every street corner because i have that oh, whenever yeah. i go back home <laughs> to my village but you grew up i mean i stayed in fairfax when i was just out in la around the kiss cruise right by the yeah. school so i know that area really well i was there a week and um yeah man i can't even begin to imagine the memories that you know live yeah, on every street corner everyone because you know i was also a surfer a skater um a motocross racer you know walking and busing and and 
always moving around because, you know, especially during summer, you know, till I was about 15 or 16, till I got a car, I would just wake up and go. You know what I mean? Just like, see ya, mom. You know, and she'd be like, see ya. <laughs> you know, and it was always, you know, activities and going here and going there. You know, I spent a lot of time in West Hollywood. Um, you know, just meeting with friends, skating in empty pools, you know, playing music. Uh, you know, it's a great place really to to grow up if you're born here at that time, you know, I mean, because it was really I was born in 66. So <clears throat> by the time I was aware of anything, you know, Zeppelin four was out. <laughs> it was like, like, woohoo, look at look, you know, look where I get to start. You know, and you've got punk rock, you've got skateboarding, oh, yeah, all of these amazing Everything. youth movements, are, you know, being born right on your back doorstep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every, everything from the troubadour to Tony Hawk, you know, I mean, we had it all. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you have another interview straight after me? Are you uh, no, I don't. Oh, I cool. I won't keep you much longer, but I was going to say whether, we, okay. whether we needed to wrap it within literally the next couple of minutes. So um, no, talking about being open and remaining curious, I'd love to know a little bit about your relationship with Phil uh, and like the, you know, the the void perhaps, which was there for, for some time, maybe, mm -hmm. and then like reconnecting and how amazing that's been because, you know, the relationship that anybody who's in a creative partnership with somebody for that long, what you get to share and what you've been through is so unique and, electric and it was evident on stage like you can see when there's just you know palpable history between two people it doesn't even need to be spoken or vocalized it's just there simmering away did you guys when you went your own separate ways was it on bad terms was it just like it had run its course at that time what was the what was the deal with the initial parting of ways well <clears throat> what happened initially was we were we had just put out a record uh waking the dead which I thought was our best record. <clears throat> and I held on to that as a, being our kind of pinnacle record for a long time. And, um, you know, at that time, <clears throat> I really wasn't paying attention to the business. You know, I was just kind of like, whatever. Oh, we're, you know, and, and we kept doing these really shitty tours, you know, and I didn't know why, you know, we kept doing these really shitty tours. When you say and, shit, what you mean like attendance was low, or you just with weird? No, bands no, or... just 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 the wrong slots on weird tours. Just shit I wasn't into, basically. Just like, but we did it because you know I was told, well, this is the only thing we can do. I'm like, okay, whatever. And um, I started talking to Nikki Six, and I was like, like, dude, I need to take a break from LA guns, you know, it's like, I don't know what's going on. Cause you, he goes, it's because you're lazy. You know, you don't take care of your shit. You just want to play. And I was like, Oh yeah. You know, I'm not going to deny that. He goes, he goes, that was literally you... what Nikki said to you. Was it brilliant? Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. He doesn't ever 
hold back. Um, <clears throat> and uh, he goes, well, what do you want to do? And I go, I go, just something else, you know, just I want to get away for a couple of years, you know. And he's like, all right. You know, and he wasn't a Motley, you know, Motley wasn't doing anything. So we put Brides of Destruction together. And that's when I found out a lot of shit. And it had nothing to do with Phil. Um, so when I when I left to do that, it was understood that I was taking a break. You know that that hey, and I gave everybody my blessing in LA Guns. Do whatever you got to do. You know if you want to use the name LA Guns, you know go ahead. You know I can't imagine anybody wanting to do what we had been doing <laughs> anyway. So I just didn't think they were really going to do anything. But they continued on, and I was like, well, okay. And then as soon as, what what was the label we were on? British-based label. Not Sanctuary. It was, uh, it doesn't matter. Um, they called me and they told me about the royalty thing. And I was like, oh. Um, and at that point, I was never going back. I was never going to play with those guys. It had nothing to do with Phil. Um, but Phil was under the impression that, that I had made the story up about you know this guy stealing our money and he's you know it was phil's money too you know but phil was very passive about it you know just didn't want to rock the boat you know kind of a thing like fine so i just went out on my own so when we finally got back together it was 12 years later we uh phil and i had agreed to play this hard rock cafe las vegas 25th anniversary party <laughs> and you know, we, we did one rehearsal and just in rehearsal, like we knew like, whoa, like what the fuck, what is this sound? You know, cause it's very specific. And if you, if you're not away from it, I don't know if I would have ever recognized it, you know, and the same with him. And going and away did, and playing with other people and trying other things. And yeah. 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 And then, you know, we got in that room and it was just so obvious that it was something different than anything else we do and so that was it you know and that was like i want to say that was 2014 and then it took a minute and then we got this huge offer to do one show and so we threw the band together and that was it you know that show the, the one show was like okay we got to do this you know and you know from a totally business point of view you know we had left millions of dollars on the table for those 12 years you know just but the cool thing was is when when like i was saying earlier is when we got back together i was completely in control of the band every aspect of it and that's why it's been easy and successful because it's like i'm not complicated <laughs> you know it's like, it's like hey we do good things write good music put out good records and have a good time and that is what is contagious you know that's what you know music fans want to see they want to see something that is loud and obnoxious and you know when i'm in terms of la guns you know and they want to they want to feel like they're having a good time at those shows and i think we deliver that you know yeah what's going on with your like uk relationship because i i can't remember a time ever seeing you being advertised as playing over here i'm sure you have in recent years and you do but like yeah. All I, all I could think watching you on that boat was like, why aren't these guys at download? Like, there'd be such an audience for you over here that would just be so hungry to see it. Yeah, it, it's a really weird thing with us in Europe with us because we do draw really well, 
um, I don't know if we're spoiled over here or something, but it's just like the amount of money that we make after touring Europe being adults makes it not worth it. You know, that makes like, sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because we did. We played all the O2, uh, what are they called? You know, the O2 clubs. The academies. The academies. Um, in 2018 or 17. And it was great. It was great. And we we did really well. And then we did a bunch of other Europe stuff. And then those we did two or three times after we got back together. And it was always fun you know always a you know a great thing but coming back and like realizing that like hey that was a great vacation and we made a little bit of money but now we got to go do 40 shows in the states to make sure that we're taken care of for the rest of the year you know so we did have a complete tour book right before the pandemic it was would have been may 2020 we had a full European tour booked, including the UK, and it kept getting postponed. And then after a while, some of the shows just fell out. You know, some of the venues closed, you know. And for a band like us, if we have two shows canceled on, you know, on like an, an 18 crumbles, show run, and the, yeah. the house crumbles. Yeah, I can't do it, you know. And I was really sad because I had just moved to Denmark and we were booked at, at this uh, club called Vox Hall in the city I live in, which is a great, like 800 seater, you know, it would have been so awesome. People had bought tickets. You know, I was really excited to literally walk to my gig, you know, like, like five minute walk to the venue, you know, I was so into it and, uh, couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. So now we just don't even look at Europe right now, unless, uh, you know, unless we got a big support slot or something that was consistent, you know, meaning, you know, Oh, we're doing 20, plus shows with this other band we're making x amount of dollars this is the way it works then it would but we're just not big enough to to do what we're able to do here there you know here we make a lot of money and we do a lot of shows in a row and we can do it all year and uh so it makes it tough you know we we don't we're not even really planning on going overseas at all you know I mean, we have a good following in australia and south america japan all through europe but it's just like well tracy's got two kids lives in two different countries <laughs> you know <laughs> so we got to maximize you know what we can do here really but I, but don't get me wrong if something great came up in, in the uk we would certainly do it what about giving your old friends and guns and roses a call <laughs> well are they still I, mates yeah. do you still talk with any sense no. of regularity with any of those guys no 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 i mean axel and i have kept in touch cryptically through friends like maybe one message sent every five years you know like like oh yeah tell him i said hi that's the extent of our relationship uh i see slash every 10 years for about 20 minutes and we laugh Duff is is the one that's the most open, receptive, and Duff's Izzy. The I mean, I, Duff's the man. What's that? Yeah, Duff's, Duff's the man. Duff. I love Duff. He, he's definitely yeah. one of the most, like, in terms of how big a rock star he is and the size of the band he's in, as you say, he makes himself so available and he's so present when, when he's yeah. with you and in your company. Like, he's just down to earth, man. He's he one is. of the coolest people I've ever met. He, he, I agree with you. He and, and he's also one of the most talented people I've ever met. He, uh, 
I don't know if you ever heard he had a record called Beautiful Disease that I don't know if it ever actually came out, but it was on Geffen. It's one of my favorite records ever. It's just like just the best of classic rock, but it's so well put together and the recording's so good. Yeah, Duff Duff's great. But yeah, no, I, I can't see touring with any, you know, with Motley Crue or Guns N' Roses or anything like that. You know, it's too it's well, too it's, different. It's another level, isn't it? We we're talking earlier on about like fame and stuff. Like that level of fame that Axel has is like, you know, mind warping, isn't it? And, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's Michael Jackson. You know, yeah. I mean, that's just like 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 whoa. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm I, I might have killed myself right now. By there's there's definitely no regrets on your part then for not sticking it out with them and 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 riding that wave with them. No, no, no. Because I, I mean, because you know, the one thing you know, a lot of people have said over the years is like, I guess you guys really benefited from the success of Guns N' Roses. And I'm like, yeah. And then the other comment is like, man, it's too bad your record didn't come out before Guns N' Roses. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's that, it's that, that two-sided coin where, where, you know, birds of a feather kind of a thing. So we're all successful. They're just a lot more successful. Well, success comes in different forms. And I was thinking about this right. before this chat with you and, and, you know, watching you guys play and seeing what you have and looking through your, you know, your discography and seeing how many releases you've put out, you know, Guns N' Roses are playing together in a version of it and they're making a shit ton of money, but mm. you know, it's not the same. I doubt they're there writing with each other every day on the road. And, you know, well, no. the, the pressure that comes with being in a band like that, if they were to ever put out an album, you know, it would be scrutinized to high heaven. And it's like, can it ever be pure or from the heart when there's so much pressure and expectation on a band like that? So like, you know, you, you're saying you have, you've got longevity, you've got autonomy, yeah. you've got, you know, creative fulfillment, like all of those things to me, although they don't pay yeah. the bills, that yeah. is, is success in a nutshell for me, getting to be and do all of those things. Like that's the dream, right? As a creative. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you know, for LA Guns is, lucky you know i mean we stuck it out weird versions of the band we still make bank you know we still have great shit to play with <laughs> famous enough um but it keeps you hungry you, you know i gotta make great records you know the band has to be great live you know we have to you know we can't afford to be boring we can't afford to to let our guard down ever, um, which is a blessing, you know, because, you know, we're not going to do anything that's crappy or weird or self-sabotaging at this point, as we were talking about earlier, you know, um, you know, we're not going to make a speed metal record, you know, which is, you know, I could do that with somebody else. <laughs> you know I mean? Well, dude, I was listening earlier on to your League of Gentlemen album and like, so I, I run a DJ night, right? Called Invasion mm -hmm. of the Record Snatchers. And with that, I'll play 60s psych, garage rock, surf rock, you know, kind of psycho billy. Everything, everything yeah. from like the Sonics to the Cramps and everything in between. And, yeah. You know, and like fucking 13 floor elevators and Shocking Blue and all of that amazing stuff. Oh, and, Shocking Blue, yeah. And that record is all of that stuff. And uh, uh -huh. it's fucking amazing. I would urge anybody listening to this to go and check out Tracy Gunn's League of Gentlemen. Sounds so <laughs> unlike, so unlike LA Guns. 
yeah uh, but so awesome and so authentically like of well, that that's the, sound that's where my heart is right like that's where my heart is is you know those sounds and those recordings ori and i are, are actually working on a, a shocking blue cover which one are you allowed to say uh, uh, let's no. just wait you know i want to make sure we finish it before fucking a man what a but band it's gnarly. what a band wow right i mean so my tech uh fits who you met um we were driving san diego or something and i played him something and he's like whoa who's this i'm like you know this is this you know dutch band you know shocking blue and they did venus you know it's like oh i know that song so it was like a two and a half hour drive and i just put all the shocking blue records on on the drive and so we just listened to everything that they ever did and it's just like jeez man so crazy talented yeah and still sound yeah. like you know you put on semi a postcard now and that sounds as fresh and exciting and heavy and like you know kind of gnarly and evil as any wait wait, wait till you hear the version of that i just didn't record <laughs> <laughs> i can't fucking wait dude hey listen i would love to do one of these with your lady as well what would be the best way to go about getting in touch with her has she got a publicist or anything that you could link me up with let me text her if she'd be down for it i'd love to have a chat with her and i mean what what an amazing career she's had like she did she was doing michael jackson like right before he passed right she was like out with him in that time yeah let me ask her real quick i love it what a great chat dude as well i knew this was going to be awesome and yeah like i said i wish i didn't really want to bother you too much on the cruise because i knew you just i could see you were having a good time so i didn't really want because we didn't know each other i didn't want to be up in your grill but i i'm so glad that we we did connect on that and it's been lovely further connecting today i'm going to be in um copenhagen this summer as well oh you're going i'm going to go yeah i'm there wednesday thursday friday so i'm not sure if you're around but if you are when is is that june this year or may it's june it's right in between slammed um download and hellfest so it's like the i'll be out there it's the i think 12th 13th 14th 15th around then 16th. yeah yeah i think we're going to be on tour here um and yeah the weather in june in fucking denmark is unreal it'll probably be like 74 degrees fahrenheit like with the sun shining like you know oh wow that's 18 what I hours want. That's what yeah, I want. it's just it's just perfect, perfect weather. And have you have you been to Copenhagen before? I've never been, so I'm going over oh, there to do man. some live live Q and A's at the festival. We're booking it at the moment, and yeah, they're they're very kindly like flying me out, and I'm going to do some like what I did with Gene and, and the guys on the Kiss Cruise, mm-hmm. like a live Q. Did you catch that? Did you see the live Q and A that I did? Yeah, with well, Gene I- with Gene fucking berating me for wearing the Alice Cooper T shirt. <laughs> no 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 i didn't see jeans no 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 because I, I was just gonna say you were there when i i was there at the paul one yeah so i hosted one with the full band on the pool deck on the day we sailed away and um so oh, quick story yeah. they, they kind of gave me all the questions because they're sort of fan submitted questions and they're like if you can thread it all together interject with your own if it keeps conversation moving you know just kind of hold it down right 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 and they go, but there's no questions in here for Eric. So if you wouldn't mind like throwing him a couple. And I'm like, of course, like I would never interview a group of people and leave anyone out. 
So right. I thought, just because Eric played with Alice Cooper, I thought to show him some solidarity and make him feel like, not that he needs my fucking validation, but do you know what I mean? I thought, just as a solid move of like, you know, I know your history. I thought, I'll wear an Alice Cooper shirt. So I do that. <laughs> and it just, dude, it drives Gene. And he, he mentioned nothing backstage. We're chatting away. We get on stage. We're in the middle of the interview. And he just starts berating me. He's like, somebody get this delusional asshole a kiss shirt. <laughs> I think I think I heard about it or something. Because <laughs> I do remember some Alice Cooper t-shirt incident with Gene. So that was you. That was me, yeah. It became the talk of the boat. And he just kept circling back to it. You know, every 15 minutes or so, he'd be like, get this fucking... And he was like ordering his people to go get me a kiss shirt. And then nobody did. It made him even more angry. It was like spinal right. tap shit, man. It was so comic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, but I think with Gene, he thinks he was being funny. Yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, even at the end, he goes, you know, I mean, I, I went in a bit heavy with you there, and I apologize for that. But next time, wear a fucking kiss shirt. <laughs> but it's so, great, like, man. Like R Ricky Rocket would do that, like in a Poison Q and A, like you know, <laughs> hey, what are you wearing a wear it warrant T shirt for? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> you know, kind of on a, on a lower level. But um, take down my info really quick. I can get you put together with Ori. Amazing. God, I really appreciate yeah. that, man. Nice one. Before so you go, I've got to ask you about yeah. the Devo Cruise because they, for me, top five all-time favorite band. Adore them. Oh, um, without a doubt. And I saw you were on the 80s cruise and they're playing over here in August. I've never seen them. Like, I'm definitely going to go because it's their last ever UK show. What's your connection with that band? Because obviously at the same time as, you know, Zeppelin and all the classic rock stuff, I imagine you were getting into stuff like the Germs and, you know, New, oh, York, yeah. New York Dolls and obviously Devo and all of that good stuff too. Well, Devo came out, you know, I mean, I was already into, you know, Rush and Zeppelin and all that stuff. And then when Devo came out, um, me and my friend Danny Tall, who was bass player like since we were really little like i played guitar he played bass and we were listening to k-rock and k-rock was just kind of the quirky station right uh -huh. like they weren't with rodney like, on the rock right yeah yeah exactly so you know he heard like pink pussycat or something and immediately you know called me hey we got to go get this devo album like devo what's that and he goes he goes i'm not sure but let's go get it and we bought the first Devo record and we were addicted to it instantly. And then we got the, then the second one came out pretty quick. Then um, duty now for the future came out or freedom of choice, whatever it's called. Um, and we were obsessed, you know, as obsessed as I was with, you know, the first fucking iron maiden records, I was obsessed with Devo too, you know, and uh, I'd never seen them live. And uh, first song I ever sang and played guitar was Mongoloid. Oh wow! Like really? That, yeah, Fuck yeah, yeah. Before, it, yeah, because I could <laughs> sing it. You know, it was in my is it in my zero range of vocals. <laughs> um, so 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 that there was that, and you know, being on this '80s cruise and um, Smithereens played, Devo played, but Devo blew my mind. Like I knew every word to every song, you know, and the show was great, and and they're so authentically Devo still. It's amazing. amazing. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, I would recommend that. And what, know, a, what a good little you. kind of cruise season for you, man. Kiss and Devo, like seeing these, you know, wow. iconic bands in these small little theaters on a boat. Like, yeah, doesn't really get better than that, does it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't get better. And that's why I like, 
the cruises so much and and oh, she wants to know who is the interview with the best thing to do dude is if i email you all the info about my show then you can just okay. for, forward that on to her and then okay she can make a decision that was probably the easiest and, and right. most most direct and uh efficient way right, of going on. about it forward yeah talking of alice cooper yeah right <laughs> yeah 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 she's got some great alice cooper stories dude i'll tell you that i'll bet and michael oh. jackson no doubt as well unbelievable yeah 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 she yeah yeah i mean we talk about a lot of stuff because you know she's she's very proud of all those types of gigs that she's done you know Wait, yeah yeah, I got to see her with Alice. The first time I saw Alice play was with was with Orion Guitar in in London yeah. at the Roundhouse, and she was amazing. Amazing, fierce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's fierce, dude. Like, we'll be sitting here. Like, I can't play guitar how she plays guitar. Like, she does. Her hands are so strong. Like her left hand in particular, just like flopping around on the frets. It's just like, what the fuck? And she can pick up an acoustic guitar and play the same way. Which is just like, I don't know anybody else that can do that. Like, you know, she's she's unique and special and fucking amazing guitar player. Yeah. So, but yeah, I'll I'll hook you guys up. She'll she'll do it. <laughs> Thanks, brother. I appreciate yeah, that. She'll, she'll she'll definitely do it. But yeah, just uh, you got uh, do you have my yeah you have my email. So just uh, email me and let's stay in touch. Hell yeah. Well, listen, uh, I don't know when I'll see you next, but if you do, you know, get any UK stuff locked in, I'll definitely come out and, and see you at the show. And, um, Hell yeah. Yeah. If you do, for whatever reason, uh, end up on another cruise ship sometime, you never know. We might see each other on that. That was, I mean, <laughs> all time greatest for me. And I hope if, even if they're not doing the makeup stuff, they do still do, you know, the, the Kiss yeah. cruise of, of, of some variation. New album's amazing as well. I know we haven't talked about that much, but I will give it, yeah. a, you know, big, big up in the intro. And Thank yeah, you. man, I'm just, I'm really pleased that, you know, that we got to connect on that cruise and, and I'm grateful for your time today and, and I've really enjoyed this, mate. So thank you very much. Me, me too, brother. Good stuff. You're, you're a like-minded soul, a man after my own heart. And uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing you down the road real soon. Okay, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Cheers, Tracy.